Greetings. You are now listening to a podcast of elegance and class. Welcome, everybody. This is Chris Talts. I'm Chris Blunt. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been a continued wonderful experience that I'm I'm been doing myself and uh, having a really great time doing a lot of these interviews. Uh, this one is a is a very special one that I have. This one is a little long. Not gonna lie to you, had a fun time with this one and uh, just catching up with an old friend of mine who has a very peculiar story. Um, she is a uh, she's a dope DJ. Uh, she's a uh, sort of like a I, I think she's like a Jill of all trades in a sense. You know, <laughs> she does a little bit of everything. But more importantly, uh, more importantly, she's a good friend of mine. And we're going to talk about her unique story because she's a trans woman. And we're going to talk about her journey and her her story about how she found herself. And we're going to talk about the world around us. Uh, as it as it exists today and i personally think it's very important to discuss this me being a cis straight male uh to discuss my friendship with the trans woman and more importantly get to the human aspect of just being friends and hopefully having that open conversation that will help others who are listening who may not have that experience with a trans person or just don't know how to you know talk to your friends i think uh, this is important. These are one of those things that, you know, we get a chance to, uh, we may not get a chance to ask certain questions all the time. And this is not going to turn into like an ask a trans person thing, but it's more so you're going to be listening in on a conversation and on a story. And I hope that we represent the dialogue well. Um, we are, we are old homies. Uh, keep in mind, this is a, <laughs> This is the person I've known since I was a, a, a mid-teenager. And we joke a lot. So you're going to hear some jokes. You may hear some things going on. But it's it's remember, it's it's all out of love. It's all out of love. And it's, it's and more importantly, it's respect. Respect more than anything. So, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Hope you listen to it. Thank you for listening to Chris Talks. Let's get into it. All right. So first things first, you know, when we start this this interview, Bianca, um, how close were you to ever becoming an underground rapper? Um, you know, gotta say, uh, my bars are generally tight. Uh-huh. Um, usually decent rap structure, right? Can usually yeah. fit my stories in within sixteen bars. Okay. Uh, get a hook popping mm-hmm. and finish them off with a fat last little final eight. Yep. And get that shit down on paper, and then get the paper over to the studio, and get in the All right. on the microphone, and don't forget the make buzzer. shit happen. Don't forget, don't the, forget buzzer. the buzzer. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I think I might add a buzzer in post production. Just, <laughs> just and... oh man. No, no, no. But no, my my aspirations of things I wanted to do in life only like minimally included being an underground rapper. Okay, got it, got it. That's that's my lane. That was my lane. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this has been a this has been a long time coming. I've been meaning to interview you for the longest, and I, I feel like this is just an important interview for you, being somebody who I've known for what over twenty years easily, uh, since high school. God, I've known you longer than I haven't known you. 
fuck, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, yeah, right. That is right. Men each other just ribbing on the bus. And yeah, pretty much. Yep. And you are, you know, closely related to one of my dear friends, and I know your family and everything. So it's just a small world, you know, coming from the city and everything. So um I definitely want to interview you and we're gonna talk a lot about your upbringing and and you know how you came to be. And this this would be great. All right. First things first, Bianca, if you can give us a summary about your personal summary, who are you overall? Hey everybody listening. My name is Bianca. Uh-huh. I use she her pronouns. I'm a trans woman. And yes, um she her people can sound like this. They can have deep voices, they can even be baritonish. Um uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm a trans woman. I'm in my mid-30s still. Okay. Um, born and raised in New Orleans. I've lived in the Pacific Northwest for the past four years. Mm-hmm. Um while living here, I made good on my intention to transition. Mm-hmm. Uh I have been full time with it for just shy of three years. And there was a year kind of in between where I was just sort of, you know, lining up my dominoes, so to speak, and trying to figure out what my best plan for action would be and then making good on it. Okay. That's yeah. Some intro. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that, Bianca. I'm also so much more than a gentleman. I'm a bartender, a, dri- uh-huh. a driver, a DJ, um, a community, you know, I'm active in my, you know, community, black community, queer community, where those things intersect. Mm-hmm. Um, people know me and they tend to think favorably of me, um, <laughs> which is great. This means I'm doing something right. Um, yeah, yeah. I forget names. I don't forget faces. Mm. Uh, so, like, even if I don't remember what to call you, I remember something I know about you. Which is, um, which works in nuance because you can do baby all day. Good. Yep. <laughs> so that's that's why I love it. And no, just trying to be a difference maker out here. Just trying to be a positive example. Trying to show people, you know, that they can be activated to do whatever it is that they see is best for them, regardless of whatever backlash or outcry or mm. disparaging they might receive from the people that are closest to them. Got it. Got it. And that's honestly, that's what I want to start and in, in, in discuss today on Chris Talks. Um, let's start with your beginning. We all know, you know, if, if anybody hasn't caught on, say it all the time. I'm from New Orleans. And you are also from New Orleans. And people are like, does he only interview New Orleans people? And the answer is mostly. Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm going by my experiences and the people that I've, I've, I've lived with. So, um, Bianca, would you tell us a little bit about your upbringing in New Orleans? What is your personal experience based on your upbringing um, when it comes to family and the culture? What does it mean to you to be from New Orleans? Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up in... In the city of New Orleans, uh, right near the fairgrounds, I'm the younger of two children, okay. um, raised by raised by a single parent who left at a time where, because of the age difference between my sibling and I, we had vastly different reactions to it. And some people just take that as sort of the easy route, like, "Oh, well, you know, you didn't really know your dad, and that's you clung to your mom, and that's why you're a woman now." It's like mm-hmm. that's uh, doesn't quite work that way. Um, and that explains a lot of other people. <laughs> right, yeah. You got got a lot of other folks who don't feel the way about themselves that I do and have gone through similar, if not identical, circumstances. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, mom worked in the schools, and so her number one thing was, you know, get your education, no matter what, you know, make sure that you have a good foundation, make sure you know what's going on in the world, make sure you 
are not only accepting of but accommodating to other people. Um, don't be a doormat for them, but definitely be a citizen, be be community, be a person who, you know, even if you don't have much uh, that you do give of yourself first and foremost. Um, my mom did that very well with raising myself and my brother, um, being very, you know, civically engaged and always being a place where people in the community, friends, classmates, family members as classmates, friends, teammates, etc., all felt a sense of home. Yeah. And we can get to the anecdotes later, but very many people have very many examples of that. And basically, as now an adult who I'm at this age now where my mom was raising me as a toddler and my brother as a high schooler, mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing myself in a lot of that giving now, that giving nature, um, where I don't have much, but the importance of making sure that if someone has less, if someone is in need, that I can provide for them or that I can assist them in some way okay. is definitely super important to me. It's super important to sort of keep that tradition going and to make sure that even when we don't have much, we make sure that we're looking out. What do you think that, do you think that is the the major trait that you've adapted from your mother? Oh, by far. Okay. By gotcha. far. Gotcha. Uh, I know that, I know that we as adults, we always have these situations where we kind of grow up and, you know, we're living this adult life and whatnot. And before you know it, we realize, holy shit, I become my parent. You know, like, <laughs> like I did something the other day and I was like, oh, shit, that was a 60 year old father. Of mine. Like, you know, like I pulled a total <laughs> dad move and I was like, oh, God, how did that happen? Do you ever have that? Like as a woman, like doing something like I, my mom does that. And, and sometimes it's shit that you hate. You know, what oh, I'm like, you know, oh, definitely. When whenever I'm around people who, like, I know are younger than me, um, aren't as experienced as something as I am, or what have uh-huh. you, invariably it always winds up that I'm like making some not not correction, right? I'm I'm not like trying to give people all the answers, so to speak, but uh-huh. a little bit of guidance. Um, just uh, hey, like, here's something that maybe you haven't experienced yet that I certainly have gone through that you can now learn from. So just pass down wisdom, right? Yeah. Um. Given, given that I did that, so hopefully you don't have to go through that. Or like hope, yes, <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. All right, so tell me about let's let's get into those high school years. How do you, how did you maneuver yourself through high school years? Were these and as far as like when is the earliest time that you started feeling like there was something inside you that was that was maybe different? Um, I think as long as I knew, like, that boys and girls, right, just to kind of mm-hmm. keep it simple, were seen differently, treated differently, regarded differently, so forth, mm-hmm. uh, there was always at least some inkling. Um, and I'm glad you brought up high school in particular because, yeah. you know, when you're a child and you're sort of maneuvering through childhood things, and, you know, as it goes invariably, oh, you know, little boys play with dolls, little girls wind up playing with, you know, sports figures or you know, whatever. Um, yeah. It is always treated as, oh, yeah, it's a phase. Now you're out of it. They're going to, like, correct back to some degree of, quote, unquote, normal. Right. Yeah. I agree. And for me, right, in absence of not having the bliss of ignorance, right? In other words, I knew that, like, this was going to be a thing that happened. I knew that mm. people would say, oh, it's just temporary. Oh, it's just a phase. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. I 
overcorrected basically and decided, well, I'm not going to like throw it up, right? To use a more 21st century term, yeah, having yeah. grown up in the late 20th. Um, but I will sort of be hands off about that. Like I'll, I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it or whatever, but I won't dive into it and I won't explore it because again, I had that fear of being like corrected back into place when in actuality it was like, maybe that's not my place. Mm. And so that brings us to high school, right? Which again is the mission of the question. Yeah. And in high school, now that was when the overcompensation era like began. It mm. was sort of, you know, puberty based reaction, right? To the changes in my body, uh, growth spurt, you know, addition of muscle, you can talk about facial hair as well. You can talk about just all the things, right? Everything goes on between the brain and like body chemistry and so forth. Yeah. And because I knew in my brain that it was wrong, but I knew that to the rest of society, it would be looked down on. Mm. I just, I did away with those things. I cast them aside. Okay. So, again, it was a lot of overcompensation. It was, oh, I'm going to play all the sports. I'm dating all the girls. I'm this, I'm that. And yeah. Like, I'm going to be out here mobbing in new streets, da da da. Like, and I, I mean, you know, put a limit, right? Like, yeah. again, mom, very strenuous about making sure I got education on. So, mobbing in the streets was a very, like, adjusted to scale thing. Was, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, <laughs> that, that, I, I mean, I went to Franklin High School. And anybody listening to this from New Orleans knows about Franklin. Yeah. Um, that reputation has, it, it now travels more, right? Because of like Wendell Pierce's popularity and so forth. But, yeah, it, like that, that that wasn't like nobody was thugging at him. No. Know? So no. and anybody anybody <laughs> who says anybody who says they were thugging at Franklin either didn't make it all the way through. Um I didn't or, go to Franklin. <laughs> so. Or we need to have a conversation about how the hell they pulled that off. Exactly. Right? Oh, I don't see how I don't see how the street life could coexist with the book life at the extent that it needed to, particularly you, how at Franklin. do you have time? I mean, five in the morning on the corner clock and don't it don't hit the right when you got a, you know, you got two exams on that. Exactly. Like, Inspired deep ass chapters Shit. coming up. So, mm. right. But no, yeah. uh, back to me. Yes. So, again, started overcompensating, started doing more of the things that didn't speak to my truest, which bringing it back into like present day leaves a lot of people surprised. That I transitioned. People were like, "What you really?" Um, and not because of like anything physically, like nothing to do with height, nothing to do with you know, again, voice or anything that's like superficial, right? It was just yeah. more like we didn't, we had nothing that keyed us in that you felt this way, that you thought this way, or that you mm-hmm. had these ideas swimming around, and that was just me playing a role, right? I did. Mm-hmm. A little bit of theater stuff, a little bit of acting stuff growing up. And that was that was another character. Although at that point in my life, I wasn't sure if like if 16-year-old me could see 36-year-old me, like if that person would look at me and be like, that's who I am? Or that person would look with more of an approval, like, yeah, that's who I am. Got it. Got it. Do you think it was more towards survival? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you witness a lot of, I guess, homophobia or transphobia in your area? I know that we as boys, like boys when they're younger, you know, words get thrown around that are very problematic back then versus now. 
Do you think that that created a sense of fear in a sense? Or, or was there ever a sense of situation where you felt um, being around so many people, right? Um, that it was a, an offensive thing to you inside. I think the biggest thing was, you know, we look at the world here in 2020 and we say, Oh, it would have been, you know, it's so easy to do it now. Like, you know, there's, there's people who were the age I was in high school who were like proudly out and have the language and have the depth and nuance and the complexity. And I think the internet helped with that. Um, whereas mm-hmm. when I was growing up, the internet was still more in its infancy stages. Yeah. There was no means of genuinely trusting somebody because there, you know, no one had pins on the wall built up. No one had a bunch of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like experiences or yeah. just just data collected, right? So mm-hmm. the way that manifests is I would just read stuff and it'd be like, okay, well, that's good to know. That's a that's a phrase. That's mm-hmm. something I kind of feel like. But everything else that was going on was just like whoa, yeah. world is super not ready for stories like this. No, um, but on the same token, it's it's very interesting. I remember growing up and first hearing about someone who's trans, right? And it was always this other thing. It's always this hyper, you know, hyper, um, hyper explanation, right? It's always like these, it, they, when they showed it in different contexts, it came up as sort of like a, a coonish drag, drag, sort of approach to something right yeah so it or, wasn't it wasn't or, or was like the maury jerry sort of right like, it was, i'm gonna make this right. reveal and you know like on the, on the jerry show like they, they uh-huh. swing on you um and on the maury show it was just like that was that was when like the camera runaway whole thing right mm-hmm. that's what i all originated and like maury also made like a gang shot of it like yo we about to put 20 people in swimsuits and we about to make the crowd guess yeah and um, i thought that Looking back on that, you're like, man, that is horrible, and it promotes such, such vitriol. It, it makes them, it makes trans people look like villains in the sense that are trying to trick you into, you know, into bed or something like that. It makes it look like people are predators, and I think that that it kind of gives people a negative view on trans. But on the other hand, we also came up in New Orleans, where I think we were some of the first people to accept trans culture when it comes to being creative in arts and music you know? oh for sure um you know we had katie red you know <laughs> all the people and like that was the first time i heard like hood niggas like i don't give a fuck man this song jam you know what i'm saying right yeah like, like yeah. man let's get let's get the party jumping we don't yeah we're not worried yeah. about you know who you know how katie red or whatever you know they they so and and i'm glad you brought that up too because yeah. The first Katie Ray song I heard was in like 2000. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was putting in college applications and trying to figure out what the next steps of my life were going to be. And then somebody who's about my height, who's built about the same way I am, is coming out in like bodycon dresses and pumps that I'm like, I don't know who you got those from, um, but I want to know. <laughs> and just, just crushing it, just being. Just you know, Kate's presence alone was sufficient. But yeah, like you know, the songs were jamming, people were moving to him. Katie had the dance troops. Like Katie Red's shit was together. Yeah. Um, and then Big Frida came out of that. We see Big Frida sort of been shot out of the cannon you know, in the past decade, certainly. Yeah, Big Frida. But that but that first decade was was grinding and mm-hmm. you know doing flower arrangements on the side or doing interior decorating on the side or whatever. Yeah, but. 
Yeah, so we saw that early on. And a lot of that was also on account of, again, New Orleans is a place where people go to sort of lose their inhibitions a bit. So yeah. having gone to elementary school in the French Quarter, walking to church on Fridays, mm-hmm. <laughs> walking across sort of the northern end of Bourbon Street, right? Taking, uh, what is it, Royal Street over to Parenton Alley to get yes. to the cathedral. Yes. And then, yeah. and then back out, you know, my elementary school is a block away from a good friend's bar, which was Dumaine and St. Anne. Mm. Oh. Dolphine and St. Anne, sorry. Yep. Um, which was a bar that, as far as I could tell, never closed um, because it seemed like there were always people there. Mm-hmm. And so you saw like the rainbow flags and you learned quickly what the implication was. And again, going to a Catholic school and getting your Jesus education on Fridays in the church was just like, Okay, this is a lot. This is much. Um, yeah, yeah. But you saw signs also of like, hey, people, you know, again, lose their inhibitions here, and they sometimes, you know, sometimes that's men dolling up like women, and sometimes that's women, you know, roughing up like men, you know, vice versa, whatever. Okay. And so you saw evidence of it everywhere. Yeah. And not saying, oh my god, like pain on the street, just you know, oh, transvestites, da da da. Like it wasn't a thing. No, I I think it was I, I, laid, I, very much late, more laid back than people. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because again, you're talking about walks to to St. Louis Cathedral at like nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. So like it was like nobody was wilding out, but like you could no. see like the evidence of it. You saw like the you know, Fifi Mahoney's boutique posters, <laughs> you know, advertising. Hey, we do wigs for everybody, yeah. or you know, whatever. Um, you know, such and such store, clean boutique. We offer, you know. Platform heels up to size nineteen or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Like that, it, you just saw evidence, right? And not that like those things didn't really inform so much of my identity, other than like the possibility of it, right? Got you. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I saw plenty of the permissive, you know, inhibitions dropped side of New Orleans, such mm-hmm. that. It it didn't it didn't bother me to experience, yeah. And even so, less it, it didn't bother me to know I felt that way. Other than knowing that me feeling that way was kind of subject to other people's disapproval. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So, can we? I'm I'm going to move a little bit, uh, and piggyback to something that you that you kind of uh, said early in the conversation. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you were going and New Orleans is, of course, heavily Catholic uh, and you went to Catholic school or whatnot. So would you say that you came up in kind of like a religious upbringing? Oh, definitely. Definitely. OK, great. Uh, it seems so. You're light skinned. And so you I know think what? that <laughs> like light skin, it's a light skin seven word joke. OK, so like, <laughs> but no, being that you came up in like a religious, uh, you know, heavily religious thing, was it a thing where you ever felt guilty because of uh because of how you felt inside um are you are you do you presently feel that way now uh not guilty but like how do you are you presently consider yourself religious now so at the time yes there was a factor in that and mm-hmm. that wasn't for anything that i knew specifically that like the bible said like there was no point to the scripture yeah but i know that there were people who pointed to the scripture mm-hmm. um 
who would then go on and say, you know, to feel this way is wrong. You shouldn't blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't blah, blah, blah. Like, there was, you know, you know, that's like, yeah, there's a lot that goes into the sort of religious doctrine that governs so much of our moral compass and so much of our personal feelings and then how we apply those feelings to the rest of the people we have to interact with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for me, where, where that got dodgy was the notion of, but I'm a good kid. You know, mm-hmm. why, why is the fact that I feel this about myself? Why should that be something where I, I don't get to express myself that way. I don't get to reveal or share that this is how I feel without fear of, being judged or, yeah. you know, talking about somebody nine years old, you know, playing in my aunt's closet and feeling like, am I still going to go to heaven? You know, it's yeah. like, that is, you it's know, a that, hard that's thing for kids mm-hmm. to, to feel like, you know, I, and one of the things I remember stating when I got older, I was like, I hate when people use God's love to justify their hate. Yeah. Know? And I don't know. I think it's, it's pretty harsh to put kids who may feel different in a position where they feel damned, you know? Right. Uh, which is why I think we see so many people who have issues with depression and anxiety and, and young suicides amongst amongst people who are LGBTQIA because some, some of these people actually grow up in environments where whether their parents or whether their surroundings are conscious of it or not are damning them before they even right. get to know themselves. So that's that's an unfortunate thing. How did you how did you kind of make your peace with it or deal with it? Leaving a religion played a big part in it. Mm. Um, it was it was an adult decision, right? It wasn't anything mm-hmm. like I was no longer no longer like oh you know on Sundays we go to church and we go to the buffet after anything like that. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. buffets, by the way. But no, oh, it 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 was a thing where it was just like. All right, if, if if they're saying that this doctrine makes me bad, then I've got a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Because if they're saying that this is irreversible, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a woman the rest of my life, right? Yeah. And if they're saying that the fact that I was born in a way that I had no, I had nothing to impart over, mm-hmm. was part of some design that I am now failing, then I'm a failing. Let me let me fail it spectacularly. Let me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me go all the way out. Let me not just have like a you know let me, let me not have a stitch on one side and a and a weave on the other like let me let me just do it um yeah. and that took a that took a while to get to because you know i broke from i broke from the notion notion of even wanting to go to church at a time when it was post katrina and i was living with my parents while getting the family home together so most of my money was actually going right back to the house yeah but mm. there was still certainly that, you know, that parent-child sort of dynamic where I was given autonomy for the most part. But um, there was also occasionally met with disapproval. And yeah. I just, I had to make peace with that, that, hey, there might be some disapproval now, but who knows what comes later. And later's here now. It's, it's my current events. Yeah. And my mom is supportive now. And she does educate herself on trans issues and she does 
ask questions when she, you know, needs to clarify something. Yeah. So she's done really good. And again, she was she was my one steward, right? You know, or my main steward, I should say, that mm-hmm. takes a takes a community, right? To Absolutely. a child ultimately. But she was the main steward. She was the responsible she was the one responsible for me. I shouldn't say the responsible one. That's kind of weird. But um <laughs> she was the one responsible for making sure I was, you know, raised, fed, etc. And there there wasn't a right time just because this this social climate never sort of presented it and one thing about the field is because they were so complex because of other things that were tied in to any decision i would have made under her roof mm-hmm. was it a situation where um you, you mentioned that you had kind of like a rough a rough beginning when revealing yourself to your mother well she worked in the catholic school system yeah, so there's all that, right? Right. So there was that to consider as well. Yeah. Um, it, it would have had to have been that I was out of the house that, again, most of my paychecks were, like, helping to pay for, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I had an amount deposited into my bank account, of a pretty low amount that I socialized off of. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it went toward the funding for the house, whatever the check wound up being. Like, the balance just went toward... You know, house things, whether it was the mortgage yeah. or whatever, because, and you know this, and I mentioned it earlier, but mm-hmm. that house is a community house, essentially located. We've hosted all kinds of events for our, you know, family, friends, oh, for you know, teammates, coaches, teachers, mentors, leaders, etc. Location, location, In that house. location, too. It's, it's, over, man, over a number of years. Mm-hmm. And it was very important that we not lose that house. Absolutely. Not for any pursuit of capitalism or anything like that, but because the notion of a home is so important, especially as the neighborhood that the house is situated in changes so much, mm-hmm. either because people were priced out or people bought out, those those times in keeping that house afloat were essential in those immediate years post-Katrina. Because had we lost it, that neighborhood loses another culturally relevant yeah. icon. So from then, because this is post Katrina now, you know we kind of like slightly gloss over it. But this is—is is this before or after Chicago? This was after. It was after Chicago. I know you were in Chicago hmm. around the same time as I was, and then you went back home uh, shortly after. Went back home. Yeah, I in Chicago. It was continuation of a relationship because Katrina actually temporarily separated us. Yeah, physically, um, the relationship didn't go anywhere, but we we're physically separated, and then. Uh, moved up to Chicago because there was an opportunity. Then an opportunity fell through, and I was there trying to scramble and get myself picked back up and back upright again. But those six months did some pretty bad damage to that relationship. And like we're friends now, it's it's fine. But yeah, it's all love. Yeah, it like it reached its end, right? Mm-hmm. And we went our separate ways peacefully, and we took our time to heal. And while I initially wanted to make a stab at making a way in Chicago, because I would have had, again, that protection of being away, mm-hmm. when I moved back to New Orleans, I made the decision to go back. At first, it was it was kind of a social decision. It was kind of a, oh, well, you know, so many of my friends are going back. Um, and then that turned into, oh, well, I'm going to get a little place and da-da-da. And then that turned into, okay, the house is ready to be moved back into. Yeah. But... Like we've gotten the road home money we're gonna get. Like everything else is now about us. Yeah. Um, keeping it put together in whatever sense that applies. And so going and making that sacrifice 
was one that I'm not ashamed of. I don't regret it. Um, I learned a lot about myself in those five years. Yeah. And even had the opportunity to leave again before settling out this way. Mm-hmm. And leaving at the time that I did, leading to just the slightest of adjustment periods before everything was able to restabilize at the home. So Yeah, I was going to ask. So you left, because I remember hearing about this, you left, you left New Orleans and then you went to Canada. Yeah. So what the fuck brought you out there to Canada? Love brought me to Canada. This is a theme. Um, <laughs> Love makes people do crazy things. It does. It does. Um, it's a great thing, though. So thing. I did a thing that's referred to as purging, right? And that's where like mm-hmm. people who are gender nonconforming have this like alternate closet that's either like in a wardrobe or in a footlocker or in a thing of some sort. Yeah. And basically, all of that stuff went away, right? Like I didn't keep any of it at the house because, again, it was it was my turmoil to deal with, and it was my conflict, and it was my thing to resolve. Yeah. Um, but at the time, again, remember, mom wanted no parts of it because of the implications professionally for her potentially. Absolutely. So I purged everything. Um, got most of it in the hands of a few friends who were about my same size. Uh, the rest of it, another friend graciously took to a women's shelter um, to be distributed there. But I purged and I went away. And then the depression hit. Mm. And the depression, like the the gender considerations were like at best tertiary. Yeah. Um, and probably most likely even well below that as I'm Still doing the work to sort of figure out everything that. Yeah. Did you not, feel pressure from your loved one to be one way or another? I'll get more into the actual answer to that, okay. but um, to tell it quickly, and this is an understandable position for my ex boss to carry, was that she didn't want to be married to a woman. And mm. again, at the time when I was playing a part and did not expect to, but then totally just fell in love with this person. It was mutual. And then it was like, well, another country. So we can't just like date, you know, like yeah. if we're, if we're, if we're going to get actual time with each other, we got kind of got to tie to that. Right. So that was a strategic decision. Ah. Um, that brought us together. Um, that was a successful marriage until it wasn't. And again, as I mentioned, the depression hit and I did not realize I didn't realize this in Chicago, right? Because I had two years in a very in a place that gets very cold in the wintertime. Yep. But I what I thought it was was oh, I just really miss home and I missed like the mildness of like the winters or whatever. And I just miss being around like my folks for the holidays. That's what I thought it was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But being in Canada when I couldn't leave for the sake of my uh Immigration application. I couldn't. I couldn't just come and go as I wanted to. Yeah. That meant I was locked in. Yeah. And that's isolating. Not only was I locked in, but then then Canada's dollar got weak after I moved there. So flying out of the country was it cost about the same, right? Because it's you know, whatever flight out. Mm-hmm. But flying back was always like super much more expensive. Once I was able to move about freely. Wow. And so, you know, you talk about a $200 flight in or into the States and then a $675 flight back to the Canada is just like, eh. Jeez. 
can we not? Um, just and the dollar was just doing so bad uh, in Canada. In America, you know, the dollar's been strong for a while now. But that was a factor, and the other thing was like it wasn't like oh my people could come up to me because again dealing with the same thing like the coming and going is cost prohibitive. Yeah. So I wasn't getting to see my loved ones. Wasn't getting to hear from my loved ones a whole lot either because of the notion of international dialing. Um, found workarounds. We found ways. Some in some cases we just ate the higher bill or whatever. But yeah, the feeling of being stuck and freezing my ass off after a bad day at work or just a bad day in my own head or whatever. Just it it compiled in ways that I didn't even consider while I lived in Chicago. Because Chicago, I just thought it was just, oh, well, you know, God, it's cold. I'm not used to this. But what yeah. living in Canada taught me was, no, it is like, bro, you and winter, when they're this bad, y'all don't get along. <laughs> yes. This, this this ain't for you. It's brutal. Um, it's brutal. And, and it's weird because I look back on Chicago's winters and I'm like, with the freedom to peel out of there for two weeks or a month or whatever, could I handle it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the thing about thing about the Canada experience is I didn't even get to break the winners. Oh, really? Right. Like I didn't I didn't get to say, oh well, I'm gonna go down to New Orleans for like a week until yeah. what, until yeah. what wound up being my last winter there when we just kept hitting several walls in terms of like trying to manage mm-hmm. the depressive swings I was having. And the feeling that, hey, like if I stay here, I'm not gonna live much longer. Um, yeah. Like it's it's just gonna kill me from the inside. Mm. How long were you out there? I was there for just shy of three years. Oh wow! Yeah, I flew up. Uh, I flew up for the last time uh, before the marriage, like in midsummer, and I left right as summer was like in swing. Oh, three okay. years later, so about three years. Um, you count the back and forth and call it four. Yeah, from the outside looking in. I always thought that was somewhat of a cocoon period for you Um, because you kind of fell off the, at least you fell off the face of the earth in the sense of, you know, you weren't as present all the time as far as like being as social. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was me in a corner, right? Yeah. And it was, it was, (laughs) it was a struggle to make friends in Canada, which Mm. was another, that was another fact that sometimes you mentioned, uh, struggle to make friends in Canada. Um, which I did not anticipate at all. Yeah. But because you know, people from New Orleans are generally like social butterflies. Exactly. You know, and, we talk and, and, and in Ottawa, like socially they call it the Ottawa. It's just a thing. Um hmm. and so whereas I felt like maybe another city I might have done better, like that was a city where that marriage was gonna happen because that's where so much of her family was. And I don't disparage her for that at all. Yeah. I just I tried, I tried, I tried, I failed, I failed, I failed, I tried more, I failed more, and it was just like this. This this will never bear fruit. Yeah, um, this is just not a good match, right? Gotcha. And then, and so also while I was in Canada, a a couple of very big watershed moments happened. Okay, uh, there was let's see, let's get into it. Yeah, there was Laverne Cox appearing on Orange Is the New Black. All right, yep. So prominent black trans actress mm-hmm. getting a role in a very popular TV show, monumental moment, or you know Netflix series, whatever. No, um, that was a monumental moment. Yeah. Really. And then there was Caitlyn Jenner coming out as trans. Yes. And then there was the um God, I don't want to 
disparage it by calling it just some shitty nickname, but uh, marriage equality was passed. Yeah. Yeah. So Which three dominoes is- fell all in a row that I was just like, yeah. Oh, you know, man. Wait, we- are, are, are things moving in the right direction yeah. in my country? And of course, see where things going out. But, well, yeah. um- <laughs> but here's the marriage equality, that was a an interesting breaking point uh, for, on this end. Because mm-hmm. I'm watching it. And it's it's when a lot of the black people start, their ugly start to come out, at least on my timeline. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, yo, we were just talking about civil rights. And it was like, yeah, this is different. I'm like, but how? I was like, right, because yeah, all of that is- was, because all of that was <laughs> on the back end of like the Mike Brown protest yeah. and the Sandra Bland protest and the Freddie Gray protest. Yeah, all of those things were happening more or less concurrently. Yeah, and I was like, yo, and I'm, I, I try to go with, you know, I try to explain it in a couple of, I do, I do the the fact based logic, right? Right. And then I do the, we're not doing these arguments. I do the fact-based logic and then I do my hood shit, right? And right. I was like, why are you worried about who another nigga fucking? So, like, <laughs> I didn't know. I like, that sounds like some gay shit to me, personally. You know, but like, I was like, I didn't know that y'all motherfuckers really wanted, do y'all need like a synopsis or y'all need a report about who I'm fucking? It was like, no, nah, that's gross. Exactly. So why do y'all care about who this person is fucking? Because it has nothing oh, to do I mean, with it's, you. It's, it's different when, yeah, like <laughs> you, you know came saying? up with all kind of strange ass justifications yeah. for whatever phobias or isms or whatever they were expressing. Yeah. And what they weren't seeing, what they weren't seeing was how you can substitute like very few words and yeah. get a sentiment that they staunchly disagree with mm-hmm. in the same, you know, like get that out there right it's just what i I don't understand is that how people don't see the disconnect in the racism trial you know what i'm saying it's like it's a very it's a very slippery slope and it's a very relatable analogy you know just because something doesn't make you comfortable and i'm sure you're sure these white people feel the same you know sometimes seeing a black face in the crowd doesn't make them feel comfortable and it's very easy to it's very easy to to relate that to be like oh i don't want you here you know, yeah, and that that is violent. That that's yeah. what deters violent. And so when people see, people see gay people, people see you know people who are um, non gender conforming, trans or whatnot, and they act like, oh yeah, well this bothers me because this makes me uncomfortable looking at them. And I was like, do you hear yourself? Do you, yeah, do you, sound, um, you realize how violent <laughs> you sound, how how horrible you sound because you are the same person that's looking for equality. You want police to stop killing us, but you looking at this trans person like they should die, and you don't see the correlation, you know. And the answer yeah. for a lot of them was no, I don't see the correlation. Yeah, this yeah, which is crazy. Part. And I'm like, oh man, we got a long way to go. Right, this is bad. And so, and then we, the thing I didn't mention, which I I wanted mention and sort of move past as quickly as we bring it up. All right, good. At the same time, this was the same summer that Rachel Dolezal. Did the whole translation <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, and so oh man, shit. What that what that turned into was this really the shitty whataboutism that was like, well, why why can people claim transgender if she can claim trans? And I'm like, oh my god, Rachel <laughs> Rachel Dolezal has two white parents. Yeah, was raised by two white parents. 
and sued Howard University and HBCU uh-huh. for racially based discrimination, and she did so as a white woman. Her claim to blackness was invalidated on that day. Yep. Facts. Like there, there, there is a story. Um, there's a couple stories actually. One about a woman who believed that she was basically like a seventh wall great auntie basically like when you look at her and then you look at like the life she lived and the things she did yeah she just basically had the she had the savoir faire of a seventh ward like just gloria basically yeah and it turned out she didn't have a drop of black blood <laughs> and then there were people in ohio this one segment of ohio who despite not displaying any phenotypically black features thought they were black people and what and and that was not as obnoxious as Rachel Dolezal, obviously. No, these were just these are these are people who thought maybe I am black, right? Because mm. of other factors, and I never really looked too much into that story beyond like the surface of it. I admit, yeah. but there there was a story that definitely that showed that hey, people can wrestle with these things in complicated ways, or you can look one way and let that inform who you think you are as a person but then it turns out you take a you know ancestry test or the 23 and or whatever and it shows that none, none of your none of your blood originates from africa sorry like that's um, a lie yeah yeah and so you have those things right but then you had a rachel dole who's clearly faking it right and again has this lawsuit this public lawsuit um alleging racially based discrimination bianca i hell was whipping though and yeah, and, and, <laughs> and that just that just that just and what that turned into was a lot of people yeah. saying, Well, if y'all say she can't be black, even though she do more for black people than y'all, and no one ever told like sources on that. But yeah, that's I, for another time. Um No, I it's they, it's that Candace on shit. Well, this yeah, black they person were, said this. Yeah, <laughs> they would they would use that to invalidate trans people like there's not one Rachel Dol- Dolezal and not hundreds of thousands of mm. trans people um, in the country, if not millions. I mean, no, depending on who's depending on whose numbers you believe. I mean, and honestly, I think we are in a world now where people are more comfortable being themselves. I don't think I think there have been so many times in the past where it has been where people have felt trans or who have been trans, and they just kept it inside. You know, yeah, I and. Mean, that's just I how it is. It's not reported. Yeah, I mean, I came out at thirty-three, right? And, yeah, right. You know, that there's a there's a stat whose veracity I question, but it says that median age for a black trans woman is thirty-five. I'm mm. like, damn, did I did I put in the cheat code? Again, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how true that is. But, I just yeah, it's sad but, though because even then I'm like, you late, babe. You know, like <laughs> like just you could have been yourself. You from like mainly because like. We in free ass New Orleans in the sense of a place where we 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 are seen as more open minded, right? But we are also right. in the black community, and I I partly part of me thinks that the black community is a bit more homophobic, transphobic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and again, there, there was the the professional implications for my mom as well. Absolutely. And so there were there were there were a couple factors. There, there I would say some... there are, there are many components in it, and I don't want to like I don't want to pigeonhole or blame a certain group. Right, and yeah, I mean, so. there, there there are some decisions I could I could have you know mm-hmm. I could have moved out and sent less money to the preservation of the house and had to deal with the whatever was of that. 
I understand families first in um, a sense. So yeah, like yeah. There, there, there are a number of things they could have done for me that mm-hmm. would have led me down a different path or whatever. But yeah, but I think I don't know. Do you look back at it and be like, I did the best, I made the best decision? I look back and I I do so wistfully, right? I readily admit that. Mm-hmm. In that I was not armed with the language to say how I truly felt about myself. I did not. I did not know just based on the the, the social climate that I would have had for sort of fringe support. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, again, there there was the consideration of well, my mom works for the archdiocese, and I know stories of them firing. So so here's a here's a story that is best I know is true. Okay. Um, there was a teacher in the archdiocese, not New Orleans, but another one who was a single woman mm-hmm. and she was advised to to keep from being like harassed basically was to say this is the residence of like her name and like some guy's name mm. not here right now she must be a uh, kept woman to answer your call please leave a message at the dot, 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 right? mm-hmm. the prophet the, the the occupation called her heard that voicemail Checked her file, saw she was unmarried, fired her. Wow. Right. Living in wedlock, living in, you know, which is also interpreted as living in sin in yeah. Catholic circles. So I, I can't imagine what my mom's professional sliding doors scenario would have looked like yeah. um, if at, say, age 15, right, I had been like, look, this is this is who I am and this is how I wish to present myself to the world. And this is just how it has to be now. This is this is the thing that will satisfy me best and is a decision I'm making of sound mind. I know that you know for a fact this is how I want to be seen, this is how I want to be remembered, this is how I want to be regarded. Mm-hmm. And who knows what that could have led to, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So while on one hand, yes, I do think about what if he had had, had it, right? Mm-hmm. But then that small part of me sort of looks back at the parent who cared for me because, like, it wasn't like, oh, dad can pick up more hours at the Siemens factory or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, oh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe she'll get a job at Saver Center. You know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the, none of that was really, truly, like, I mean, there were there were options in that they exist. I mean, not the dad part, he, didn't, he wasn't in the picture. But, mm-hmm. yeah, mom could have probably bounced back from that and found other work, right? I, I think she, on some level, could have said, I was fired because my child's trained and gotten some support somewhere in some way. But my my wistful, even my wistfulness won't allow me to consider that but so much because, again, she was the one. She's the one who stayed. She's the one who raised and clothed and fed and everything else to me. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get it. I definitely so I, I, I can't detach what I wanted for myself from what the consequences for her could have been. Hmm. All right. I think that, yeah, that's real. That's real. So let's let's fast forward a little bit and then yeah. go into your actual, like, when you took the leap. Like when you, I know that you said you had, you had, you had it, it's always been something that's on your mind and that you kind of lived, but for the most part with yourself and closed doors or with close you know, in close quarters, right? When, right? when did you decide to be like, yo, this is it. 
I'm going to be I'm going to be my full ass fucking self. So I saw that needle movement, right? And mm-hmm. it's funny that this is the way this question is phrased because I actually, um, in a community discussion, someone floated, they're varying on that question. They're, they more or less asked, how do you know that you're trans? And this was a person who was discussing this in a community that is, again, for gender non-conforming people, da da da. And I explained, I was like, hey, you know, I identified as Really, a crossdresser for almost a decade, maybe a little bit over a decade. In fact, mm-hmm. um, it was like, "Hey, it's this thing that I do, and I sit home and I play video games and take headless selfies, take it all off, and then I'm back to being a guy again, whatever." Um, and that was my truth for again a pretty long time. Whether yeah. that was due to the professional implications of you know my housemate, or mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or if that was due to just really just truly how I felt at the time. Yeah. And then that that morphed into sort of a gender fluidity, right? Where it was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, my nails are done. Yeah, I have what you might consider a feminine phone case on my phone. Yeah, you know, um, grow my hair out. Yeah, I never rock facial hair. Yeah, like, one of the things I realized living here is that no one has ever, like, seen me living, like, with, like, grown out intentional, like, facial hair on purpose. Mm. Um like it's it's always been that I either had it peeled off or was letting your girls to peel it off safely. Um, yeah. And so, so, yeah. So nobody saw that of me. Um, yeah. And this is a decision that I was making at the time, where like to be a tall black man um, who could grow facial hair and could have a beard was seen as like the pinnacle of prestige like you know physically right like yeah from a you know you know like you you can grow a bitch you get all the, you get points you know like yeah yeah, yeah. No. um there's you know, a people, level of um you know that whole privilege factor right mm-hmm. yeah there's that there's, oh you're a tall you know you, you're tall you can have the facial hair you're muscular things like that so there were there were all these things that that um, these characteristics, but, these these at- physical attributes that could have been yeah. played together as benefits, and I could have kept the act going, I could have spray going, but mm-hmm. like what was showing itself to be my truest final form, you know, the same form that's going to mow the lawn, and the same form that you know goes grocery shopping, and the same form mm-hmm. that sits in community, uh, was going to be a lot more feminine than like those mm-hmm. things, and not that, yeah. not that. You, I made the quip open in the show that like she her voices can sound like this. Women's voices can sound like mine. Yeah. yeah. Um because this is this is not a medium by which people are gonna see me. They're gonna rely on hearing me. They gotta know that they're hearing a woman talk. And yeah. so Yeah. Yeah. And so in that, um yeah, there was there was a lot of intentional sacrifice. Mm. And a lot of intentional to sort of let it be, right? Like, you know, not typically presenting, intending to present as a woman, you know, in this sort of fluid identity, but having my nails done in like this bright orange. Yeah. Or like again, not having facial hair. And again, people who have those people who have facial hair, people aren't drawn to wanting to paint their nails, whatever. If they feel 
that's how they identify. They don't need to hit those specific benchmarks. There's no gatekeeping going on on my side. There's no, oh, you're not yeah. trans enough because you don't X, Y, Z. Or, mm, okay. oh, you you can't be a, you know, you're not a woman because you don't LMNOP, right? Like, there's none of that going on. Yeah. Like, if you, you tell me, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I, like, I believe you, right? Like, okay. don't give me reasons not to, but I believe you. Yeah. No, and, and I, I think it's the social norm that, uh, I think it speaks to, like, how society feels that women are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. How women are supposed to act, even when it comes to trans. How yeah. did, and, you gonna transfer? How you going, you know, how you do it? Um, and yeah, and I, and I subvert some of that, not with the, like, specific intent of being a subversive person, you know, mm-hmm. like, but to say that I'm valid in my standing because, like, I'm showing you the rest is with the intention of being treated as and regarded as a particular person type. And not this other one that you might assume based on just hearing my voice, or based on just seeing my head, it's based on seeing my figure in addition to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, yeah, that's super important. Like to not gatekeep it, not yeah. let people or not let you, but like not see people where they are and understand that somebody might not be what I what my eye test maybe tells them they are at first. Yeah. Or and I think more of us could go for that right and mm-hmm. not to say oh we should just like always be neutral but at minimum we should always be open to correction right if somebody says oh actually my pronouns are they then. actually my pronouns are he him or whatever uh-huh. um or like if you're gonna call me not a riff call me now you know that that side of thing um you know a lot of people made fun of that one woman in the GameStop, but she was making a actually a salient point like mm-hmm. I've I've told you that I'm not sir. I've I've told you the- gently corrected you. The camera started rolling when I was less oh, gentle about it. Yes. And now I'm being villainized as this person who just needs to be like memed and mm. like not not eyes and me, like that wasn't me in the video, but like this person is now going through this and now subject to this. Mm. And it's like, no, that this person was advocating for themselves. And yeah. We should all do that. We should all advocate for ourselves no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, injustices or if it's, you know, discrimination or, you know, some sort of schism, some sort of phobia, whatever. Like, we should all advocate for ourselves. I and am... That's a, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And that, that's what she was doing. Yeah. Um, I I agree. I agree. I, I remember seeing that same clip and thinking the same thing. I'm like, no, no. They're telling you the pronouns that they, they'd rather be preferred to, you know? And hmm. I feel like that's a courtesy too, right? It's it because we we are all still kind of new in this journey, so it's important to address people how they say they want to be addressed. Now, I don't right. give a fuck if people agree with it or not. I feel like that's just a common courtesy thing, right? At base level, at base. Yeah, level. and I mean the the yeah. notion of agreeing is not one that we should even judiciously entertain, right? Like no. if 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 someone like if I tell you I'm a woman, that, like that's like the the place where I don't agree. Like that's out the window. That's stupid. Um, yeah, and it's it is willful. It, it is I. I may struggle to understand the hows and whys, mm-hmm. but I will do my best. Yes. Still leaves room for gracious mistakes, right? Versus I disagree, which opens the door for this intentional asshole mistakes. And yeah. I tell people when I correct them all the time, I know the difference. Yeah, and, and which know. is okay. So great. I'm glad that you brought that up, Bianca. Like, all right. So like, we have these moments where you know you know, you go through the life change, right? Mm. And we are still connected to our old lives. 
in a right. lot of, you know, everybody's connected to their old lives. How was it dealing with all of the old people in your lives? Like, let's say, you know, you had old friends from high school, ex-girlfriends, you know, things like that. Like, how how was that change? How did how did, how was your experience dealing with them and that change and everything? So the answer to that question is like if 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 the conversation has come up, right? Like say two old high school classmates are reminiscing on something. Yeah. And they refer to me as my former name. Uh-huh. And I'm not in the conversation, right? But like maybe maybe one party knows and translates it. Yeah. Um I think the the and again this this varies, right? There's person to person. Some people hate any reference whatsoever to like their former selves. Yeah. Um but for me personally, if it's yeah, yeah, we're just telling the story about like crude example, the basketball team, right? Yeah. And oh, you know, so and so did this and running down the court and fell over and it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 right? Got tripped, legs tangled up, fell, and went, went skidding. It was hilarious. You know, so sweaty and just left a big sweat stain on the court. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what's, what's he up to now? Um, and, and again, if that question is being floated by the party who does not know my trans status, yeah, um, it is up to the person who is still in touch with me yeah. to gauge how far into explaining that I'm trans to go. Got you. It's a pretty big social responsibility. It is. And it's, it's why... A, it's a really big one, because it's like, you that person is the revealer. Like, they can't right. do like me and lie and be like, oh, they got Thanos snapped. You know? Like... <laughs> um, but I, we never saw them again. But um, Bianca's here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but no. <laughs> so... But... <laughs> But the way I tell people to handle that is know the know the person across from you. And yeah. if you know they can't handle it, just be like, I mean, we still speak. You know, just keep it very academic, right? Just, just yeah. still speak. It's, it's okay um, to be vague on that end. And if you know that this person might be more welcoming, accepting, tolerant, appreciative, whatever, that's the time to say, oh, yeah, you know, we still keep in touch. But you should know that so-and-so now goes by Bianca, has transitioned. Yes. So on and so forth. Um, I'm still in contact with them on insert whatever social media. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like me to pass a message on? Okay, that's nice. That's way more than I do. Because um, I'm usually the person in that position that you're talking about, Bianca. So, right. like, somebody always bitches something. I'll be like, yeah. And they be like, hey, what happened? I'm like, well, they're Bianca now. And um, that's about it. Like, I don't, I don't further explain it. Nothing. Like, I'll be like, yeah, they're Bianca now. They're like, they're trans? I'm like, yeah. And I, I don't make it a, like, and here's a headline. It's very right, much yeah, said right. in, as a matter of fact. You know? Yeah, it's, it's a reference point. Yeah, it's and... a reference point. And I was like, it doesn't matter. There was one time somebody said something like they wanted to get into it. I was like, oh, were you interested in fucking them? Oh, then why does it matter? You know? And I'm so... <laughs> but that's because I'm an asshole. But Which I think... also is 100% a fair question. It is. It is a fair question. <laughs> like... Well, as I'm concerned, that's that's a fair question to vote. Like, don't be a hoe, Bianca. Don't be a hoe, because I know why you want to ask. <laughs> like, like, what do they want to know? But um, but no, it, it's it's it's, 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 a, it's a truism, right? It it, it yeah. takes it it takes it to a heightened level, right? This is true, mostly true. out of necessity. Yeah, that that brings it down to the carnal minimum. Like, is this 
a reason you want to notice. And if it's not a reason you needed to want to know this, then then why? Yeah. And that's that's kind of my way of being. Yeah, it's my way of kind of facing that in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like when people are talking about you from their personal experiences, like I know that it was a big thing, not a big thing per se, but it was a point of reference um, when dealing with, a, you know, a very mutual friend of ours um, and ex of yours. What would be the best way to express who you are in the past tense? In a sense, um, do they say ex girlfriend or, or otherwise? You know. So I mean, most ideally, they would just say ex partner, kind of keep it moving. Yeah. Um, keep it gender but, neutral in that sense, right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, knowing knowing the particular person you're talking about, who like is super progressive on these, like the, the the relationship is like that's that's run its course. Like that's like we're not we're not running that back. But yeah, um, yeah. nah, nah. Um, and and we spoke, and, and and they they love who you are. They love who you are today. And yeah. It's great. But I. But it's that, easy. Yeah. It's easy to love me, but no. <laughs> ah. <laughs> hubris. I mean, hey, hubris. Hey. So, <laughs> a few things better for an interview than the truth, right? Yeah. Hey. Hey. So like, nah. But I, I think that's. But just in general, I think for the people speaking, I kind of liken it to when we all talk about Muhammad Ali, right? Right. Yes. At one point, he bots this Cassius Clay. Do we really refer to him as Cassius Clay? You know? No, no we do not. We do not. And we all remember watching that famous scene in Coming to America. And we all know that the person sounded real ignorant saying, I'm going to call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. And I'm like, right. I am hope we get to that point now where that is a... Because, you know, you know, that type of fuck shit is thrown around now when talking, mm-hmm. when speaking to trans. Right. I know. I was like, I'm, I'm <laughs> calling, I'm calling him Bruce until he gets the surgery, and I'm like, exactly. ooh, ooh, you sound like, Jewish. You are fucking Olympic asshole in it right now. Yeah. And <laughs> do, I, and, do, do you need a therapist? Can I refer yeah. you to somebody? And and that's my thing. I think at the uh, at the thing is we have to respect people for who they are. Got to be for what they are with it, right? Like you can't, you can't. My thing is, I don't. I and I gave up on this long before my transition to be frank about it but i don't hold people to like whatever standards i might have for them because then like i'm fretting about oh why is this person like me i need people where they are right i hold you to the standards you keep for yourself yeah absolutely um that is one it's done wonders for my mental state um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also it it just again a few things better for an interview than the truth right like it just it speaks to this notion of like I understand that you may not understand it as eloquently right you may not have super sophisticated convictions about like justice and safety for trans folks mm-hmm. yes but you need to know we exist and you need to know that that existence is not up for agreement or debate debate or dispute or anything like that like yeah. this is this is who I am this is this this is who I am this is how it's going to be and this is how I'm going to live out the rest of my days so yeah, you- come on board Absolutely, like, you can't dispute like not not get on board or get rolled over, but come on board, just, just yeah. get with the program. Let's go. Don't be like, that person. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, there are benefits to this shit. Like, yeah, that's yeah. I agree. I agree. So with you and everything now, you know, you are now in Oregon. You're or you're in Oregon, right? Portland. I live in Portland. Yep. You I'm, live in I'm Portland. The, I'm the ex who moved away and. Found herself in a completely yeah. different light than the one saying, people knew her in last. <laughs> good. I'm gonna ask you, like, as a black woman, 
dating are you dating first of all and also like dating and you know what i don't i don't like your tone right now really oh really (laughs) do you you feel attacked bianca Nah, uh, uh, like my, my lawyer advised me to not answer any questions <laughs> about dating. Okay, ah, no, I'm I'm ah. fucking, with you. I'm, I'm fucking with you now. Nah, nah. Um, so let let's let's just let's flesh that all the way out. So, oh, go ahead. um, but let's let's land the plane on June 2016 when I first moved here. Yep, and needed time to get over my pending divorce right like we're separated the divorce wasn't finalized but it was it was going to be applied for it was going to happen and i just needed to contend with you know let's contend with the ending so i could then celebrate it like happening right yeah absolutely so there i am and i'm in this sort of chrysalis right i'm discovering myself i'm trying to again chart out you know what my life's going to be how the next whatever long-term length is going to look like and I don't want to be dating anybody at this time, right? I don't have an OkCupid account. I don't have like a a Tinder. I don't have any of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a Bumble account, but I was only using Bumble on the friend side. Yeah. Because Bumble does have where you can find friends. And I was like, hey, if this is going to be what like this version of my life looks like, Mm -hmm. I would like to present myself to the world as I am and find out who might be interested in being a friend. Gotcha. And so made a few friends on it um success rate was like livable right like i it it was useful for when i needed it and then mm-hmm. a few months in when i started like getting invited to stuff and meeting people at things i was invited to showing up to community events introducing myself to people etc um then it was like okay i can use this less um because this is very much it's machine driven right and mm-hmm. a lot of people just Kind of were doing the whole pen pal thing, right? Where they're like, oh, we're just going to write messages every day for five weeks and never actually hang out. And I'm like, I'm trying to get over like a breakup. Not an ugly breakup, but a distant one, certainly. Yeah. And I like, I want to be out while it's nice out. I like, want to be out doing stuff. want to like, be face-to-face with people and, you know, sit across from them and like be their friend, you know? Um, yeah. Have actual connection. Right. I, did, I didn't want to just talk about it on on my Wi-Fi for weeks, months at a time. Mm-hmm. Wanted to do it. So I, you know, like there are people who I met like on my first week, first couple of weeks doing that, who I'm still friends with today. Um okay. some who, you know, the friendship kind of we bounce in and out of it, right? We talk every once in a while. We might see each other in public and hey, hey, you know, kind of thing. Um then again there were the pen pals and then, you know, there were some people who maybe I was like, oh, I'd like to be this person's friend and just never got a reply or whatever. Yeah. So that experience ran again. That's fine. Um but then, you know, like I said, I started going to social things, and these were daytime events, these were evening events, these were nighttime events, and I would say probably at about somewhere once five months six ish, um, was when I made my OKCupid profile. I was like, oh, this would be, you know, be a great opportunity to sort of, you know, say more about myself because the thing with the apps, the, like the phone apps, you only get but like so many characters, you only get so many pictures. Yeah. And on OKCupid, okay you can kind of you can flesh it out a little bit, right? So I could explain, hey, this is where I am. This is where I think things are going. Um, please, if this does not scare or intimidate you, um, please, you know, kind of meet where I am with it. 
and let's you know build something slowly. And gotta say, did not get much in the way of activity in a useful sense. Mm. Uh, one based on like what I look for in a prospective partner, and also just in terms of what I look for relationship structure even to be like. People are like, oh yeah, we want to introduce you to like this. You know this this polyamorous hierarchy where like you know I've got my primary partner and da 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 and like you would feel this and like having been exposed to it via text sort of seeing sort of the machinations of it uh-huh. I quickly figured out like the way my body and the way that like my emotions work mm-hmm. probably not the best fit for me no okay um which is not the same as me disparaging people who you know are in open or in polyamorous situations right like i never want to i am not offended bianca thank you i'm i'm not worried about you <laughs> Great. We, we, we wouldn't be friends anymore if it was, if it was that kind of but no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> but no i i i say it's say because what what happens a lot what, or what has happened what has been my experience is like when i say oh you know that's not really like my sort of structure that i prefer to operate in and not even that I prefer, it's the one I, it's, it's the one i wish to operate in yeah um like the accusations would be let me let me what's the analog i can make for this so you know how people who like dogs tend to really not fuck with cats right they're like i hate cats cats are the worst cats are despicable yeah some people some people are like that yeah or like people who roll the toilet paper over or like you roll it under your fucking criminal felon yeah psychotic person little nitpick shit like that yeah yeah like it was it was a riff on that guitar basically like Mm. when i was like i you know i'm like 99.99% sure monogamous yeah oh so you're trying to control your partner and and i'm like where'd you get that from anything about anything on my profile or anything i've said in this conversation or anything in the bona fides (laughs) that like socializing with me has already offered yeah where where did any of that come from so i was kind of confused about it right and Mm -hmm. what what it what it could have done to like a less prepared me is it could have made me combative about it but I, i i chose not to do that i was like look straight up like let me just be unambiguous about it but this is this is the relationship structure i'm seeing you know, just me, your partner, do what we do. And one thing I found was once I made that very clear, mm-hmm. the matches stopped coming in. And you know, with those things, you usually got to pay to be like, oh, well, who's who's matching with me? Who's, yeah. you know, who likes me on OKKeeper? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll pay because I'm desperate, but only this month. Yeah, yeah. No, hey, we've all been there. Yeah. Like, Only this month. I will. I will pay like the. You know, they do it like the longer you pay for, the less you pay per month. Well, my curiosity um, is terrible. That's why I do it every now and then. Yeah. I'm like, and right. I was just like, hey, you know, let me let me drop the twenty four ninety nine instead of the yeah. the twelve seventy seven or whatever the discounted rate. Let me go ahead <laughs> and drop that that maximum coin just to see, and then mm-hmm. like. Again, you know, the first time I did this, I had some like 38 matches, and like 33 of them were like looking to add me to a polyamorous dynamic. Mm, um, okay. Because again, when I realized that, that wasn't the thing about me, I was just swiping left on those folks. Um, yeah. Which was my way of saying, hey, like, best of luck on your search. I'm just not the girl for that. Yeah, got you. 
And so I cleared most of those away. A couple of other conversations didn't didn't really go anywhere ultimately, unfortunately. But um, then that expired, and like I stayed active, right? I was still using the program and still was swiping you know, whichever direction on people, and like my my the number of people who even swiped right. Let me went think like it was it was so bad i decided to run an experiment right um i was i was out of support group for uh trans women yeah and i decided okay this is a two-hour group i'm going to actually like i'm gonna set this thing to show my profile to men and then i'm not gonna open it for the duration of this time in the group, my phone was blowing the fuck up. I was wow. just like, not doing this. Wow. <laughs> like, I'm wow. not fucking doing this. I'm not. Yeah. Um, and so I said it back, and all of those, but when I, I said it to show me to men and women, yeah. um, and that shit lit up. And I'm thinking to myself, but you know, you can see through the scramble, right? Mm-hmm. Like, some of them don't really do a great job of obscuring, but you can kind of sort of deduce and pick, yeah. right? So then I'm sitting in the car because I'm uh, I'd order some food to go pick up, and I was like, I'm sitting in the car and you know play some tunes and flip through this shit because like why did my phone blow up all of a sudden when I sh- let myself be shown to everyone? Mm-hmm. And it's because uh, gotta say, man, y'all are way less discriminate about who you swipe right on. Oh, it didn't change my bio, right? Like, I, like nothing. Like my bio didn't change. It was. It still said looking for women in uh-huh. like this age range uh, who you know live in the city of Portland. Yeah. Who I can you know be in the date and sort of feel out. Blah, blah, blah. Like nothing about it changed. Right? It was like, I don't hey, know if you know this, like, Bianca. Men are trash. Yeah. Like. Oh. Yeah. How far into this podcast are we? <laughs> We're not gonna get into that. Let's get into you know. Well, we, you know. Yeah, let, let, let's let's not because let's, let's yeah, not. no, we let's we, keep focused. Let's, let's keep stay focused. focused. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. But no, um, yeah. so I'm like I'm not even reading the profiles, right? I'm just I'm just watching the counter go down, right? From you know, 63, 62, 61, 60s, and swipe left on these guys, um, because again, I don't care, but I'm watching the number drop and. I think when I started this experiment, I was at four in the queue. Mm-hmm. And when I stopped swiping on the man, and when I was like, I think it told me, you know, like eventually I'd stop swiping all together and like, hey, we are out of people to show you um, because I keep my radius really small. Yeah. Not, not, be- not because I fucking did this one hour straight again. I was waiting on food. So it was like a 20 minute wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I keep the radius small. Hint to everybody listening. Keep your radius small on that shit. You don't want to date someone 46 miles away. What's wrong with you? No. Anyway. Uh-oh. Anyway. Um, so there I am not getting any traction on this. And like I said, I think I had like three or four matches. Like whatever the number was, it was plus one. So like one right. woman and like 63 men swiped right on me. Whole fucking thing. Yeah. Not good. Um, and so... One thing I'm learning is that, in, at least in the digital realm, anyway, people don't want to date. No, they don't. And, like, 
they don't and, and what it extends to is they don't want to swipe right and maybe have a conversation see like if anything about anything else i've said you know sort of applies relates hits them in a spot where they're like yo that's dope af like i you know let, let's talk more about it. like not even that um what's happening mm-hmm. and mind you like at this point i've taken bumble off of the friend finder right i don't think i have a profile on that shit anymore even like it is strictly a dating profile now and yet like nothing so I decided, you know, I'm gonna shut it all down. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to meet people like in real life, and this is again, this is like we're like two years in on this point, right? So think 2017 to 2019. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just focus more on meeting people in the real world at this point. And what I realized then was people are very comfortable complimenting, me, right? They're really comfortable saying, "Oh, I like your set," or "Oh, I really like your hair," or "That yeah. shirt's really cute," or "I, you know, it was like really cute shooting." Like they're comfortable complimenting. Yeah. And I'm actually gracious in receiving comments. Um, and I know saying that will make listeners who don't know me question, really? But no, like, graciously, like, I kind of demur, depending on the content, I like, blush a little bit. Like, I say thank you. And more often than not, try to find a way to send a return compliment. Um, mm-hmm. And what that then became was, fuck, am I flirting? I'm like, is that, what, <laughs> is that what I'm doing? Am yeah. I am I coming on too strong? Like, am I am I too much right now? Mm. So I'm just in so I'm in my head about that, right? Yeah. And so for for me, um, there there are some flaws in this, this theory I have. Yes, but I think that the rarer the person is across from you, the more that person should not take the lead, right? I think. Um, okay. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, we say, oh, you know, men should pursue women. And, and that's because, again, like, women are more rare, right? Um, yeah. Not that finding a good woman's hard. Like, no, 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 just it's, in general. It's, there's it's, it's, the, it's, the princi- it's the principle of scarcity. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. One woman might have, you know, a dozen suitors. Um, mm. One guy might be playing, playing the field with uh, women also. But, I mean, you know, we, anyway. Um, there's a social scarcity, right, in that way. And so we, the way we have it structured in society is, yes, man, take the lead. And I am a person who has specifically departed mm. from, from the notion of manhood, right? Like, I, I don't identify with that, I don't associate with it. It's not who I wish to be remembered as and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if that's just what someone has, so be it. But like in my present tense, I don't want to be regarded as the man. I don't. I don't even want to be regarded as a former man. Right? Mm-hmm. Like just, just hey, you know that that that's a woman across from me. She's a pretty dope person. Blah blah blah. Like let it just be that. Mm-hmm. And so, if I begin to take the lead, right, not out of any sort of experience with it as you know former man, quote unquote. Um, but as person who needs to make it known, no, I, I think I actually like you as a person. Maybe we should talk more and get to know each other better. Okay. Um, what that what that does in my head anyway, and I could I could be missing the mark on this big time. What that does is that just puts me back in that role again. Okay. Um, because while yes, you you might socially regard me as a woman, but in matters of the heart, you might expect me to take more of a man's role, and. Mm. As someone who doesn't date men, um, 
that complicates things in that unique way because would you say it's more of a dominant role like a, a femdom no it's it's more of a who takes the lead role right mm, like who okay. who initiates who 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 you know turns the ignition in the car who gets gotcha. things moving gotcha um and so like it hasn't been that i even desire to do that much right i look at myself now right like if we're both women we're equals we're on level playing level playing field mm. and there will be times when i will shift right as one or the other of us is being more vulnerable or being more you know open about something or just in more of a position of just general need yeah. yes but structurally we're equals right there's no you know like the notion of gender roles that's out the door because we're both women yeah um yeah and so I don't know if it's my size, I don't know if it's race, I don't know if it's a combination of those things, I don't know what to attribute it to, but I find that if I don't specifically like put that in the air, like I'll, I've been rejected, yes, but if I don't put it in the air, it goes disregarded, right? Like no matter how I might be sensing, viewing, feeling about somebody, if I don't put it in the air, like it just will never get broke. The topic just never gets broke. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I think people go for the things that they want and don't look at the other person. Right. Yeah. And so if if I am operating in the framework of, like, I like this woman as a person and I wish to get to know her better, but she's operating in the framework of, you're a really good friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm open-minded. I believe trans lives matter. I will be your um, ally in this whole. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I went there. Um, yep. mm. Then, then what? It, what I've done is I've I've just probably permanently lost like another person, another individual to the possibility of dating them, right? Because. Yeah. Because they're so now singularly focused on being an ally versus where I'm viewing them as a potential dating partner. Yeah. That that that's that's not a loss I've taken, right? This other person hasn't taken a loss. They they their experience is is what they think of me as an individual. Again, I can't make people see me in that light if they just don't yeah right? because again like I, I, as i said earlier i meet people where they are and like i can't then lie about that 20 minutes later so yeah um so i just i i have to sit with that and i have to just like be with it and say hey okay so this person views me as a friend and i am now no longer nose high in friends i'm now eyeballs high in mm. gotcha great that's that's, that's 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 trash. Uh, that's, oh, oh, <laughs> I am I am I am so many people's friends. Like I, yeah. listen, I am struggling to like balance my friendships and yeah. like it's it's a tough one. I was gonna say let's. I want to move a I want to move a little bit away from it, and I okay. want to talk about you getting into because. You get into DJing. Okay. How did you get into DJing and how did you like kind of perfect your craft? Well, you know, yeah, I got some friends you, who, yeah, you know, doing shit now. So I got friends who work in hip hop. You might have heard of one or two of them. Yeah, um, me too. And 
one of the things I was never allowed to do was make my own beats with my friends. Yeah. Sad because I got like a whole bunch of beats kicking around in my head, nowhere to go, but my friends ain't want my beats. So whatever. Stick to these bars. Hey, hey. Anyway. Hey. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> um and I mean I've always had a profound love for music. Like that's that's my um entertainment arm, so to speak. Like I'm not much of a movies person. I haven't I haven't followed a TV series in a really long time. Yeah. Um like I watch the occasional episode of like Bob's Burgers or Always Sunny or the Twilight Zone or Hulu, but Yeah. Like and, and as some like you know those little things on social like give yourself a point for every TV series you watch then Yeah, it's it's few and far between. It's like 107 of them listed, and I'm like, who the fuck has time to have watched half of these? Yeah. But then I remember that this is a span of about 35, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yet I look at it, I eyeball it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, there's Fresh Prince. Uh, there's Living Single. And there's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Boom. Yeah. I get boom, I get three points. You get three points. <laughs> right across yeah. like three decades. So, so like, yeah, I want to say with, with the DJing thing, like I know that you always like I and I know personally you've always really been into music. Yeah. I, like, did did Portland or the new life kind of give you that that inspiration to kind of go out and do something like that? that well I was I was encouraged to because what happened was yeah. I was talking with a friend of mine who had recently gotten into DJing themselves, mm-hmm. and um, we were we were at a we were at a function actually we were at a pride function, yeah. and DJs you know killing it playing some songs from like you know sort of our shared coming of age time right it's like the early two thousands mix yeah um, and I was basically calling like what song they either would or could play next. Mm-hmm. So, like, either they would have played it or, like, it would be a couple songs and they'll play it because, like, it's staying in the same BPM range. And this friend was like, holy shit, like, why don't you DJ? And I was like, I can explain, but it's kind of a sad story. Let's talk about it after the after the function ends. Um, so that sad story goes that I went through a traumatic event. I used to just build playlists. And the thing about building playlists is there's a little bit less regard for, like, you know, for, like, Yes, flow matters, but BPM doesn't matter as much because it's like, all right, that track's going to fade out the next one's going to start up. Mm-hmm. You know, might have an intro or something. So building a playlist doesn't doesn't like matter technically as much as being a DJ does. Yeah. So I had this experience curating this playlist. But one of the things I noticed about my playlist was they always, like, especially if I was doing like, multi-genre stuff, the vibes always shifted in ways that a DJ might control a room. Mm-hmm. Right, so you might do again. I I was going to clubs in 2002. This was like the height of Lil John's Crunk era. So the DJs would get a little set of that going. Like you play like the warm up music, right? Like yeah, wait a minute, and your Brett and Tyrese's and shit like that. Mm-hmm. They play like the warm up music, and then they you know move into like the get hype, get crunk music, and then there'd be too many yeah, and then there'd be too many fights in the function, and then they'd have to turn on like the dance hall, right, mm-hmm. to get niggas to calm down a little bit. Yep. And then they usually play Just Friends for Music Soul Child to tell niggas, yo, it's time to go. Yep. So. That's hilarious. Remembering that, right? I, so I had like a baseline to work off of in terms of how I structured my playlist, how I structured my mix CDs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But um, this, this traumatic event I went through was basically somebody just flat out told me that they just weren't fucking with 
it just didn't appreciate it basically um mm-hmm. they didn't use those words but like i guess telling their actions right like not telling me that they were gonna listen to them and they're not doing it stuff like that and um it just hurt me on a personal level it's like yo i took time i curated this like i mm-hmm. i made sure that i made sure that these 80 songs like hit in the sequence and told a story and had an impact and said something yeah and so i lost the love for building playlists gone i just i went years without ever oh. doing it again oh, and um so fast forward back to this party, right? We're leaving. I'm, I've told my friend this story now, and they were like, "Yo, um, if DJ and a try, like I'll let you use my controller, you know, load some songs on there out of your library, and just give it a shot. If you you don't like it, you know, no harm, no foul. You know, we'll we'll, we'll set you up to play at a house party or something. And that house party was a month out, and my mm-hmm. friend gave me their DJ controller like two weeks out. You get, I think, three weeks free with Serato. So it was like, hey, borrow this, get comfortable with it. And then the day of, you know, play us that, see how it goes. Yeah. And so that was, I had limited technical skills, right? But like no tricks, anything, right? Just making songs and getting their BPM matched and getting the flow going and da-da-da. And... People at this house party were like, we want to book you to do other things. I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, what? I, I did good? Really? Yeah. Um, they were like, yeah, like you you had a really good selection. Like you had some throwbacks, you had some current stuff. Like I, you know, people like, I, I just, I just felt away. And I was like, well, shit, okay. Yeah. yeah maybe, I can, maybe I can do a little something with this. Who knows? Um, and so... Myself and then that friend, we we shared this controller for almost a year, actually. So it was just like, I'm not really getting booked for a whole lot of stuff. But yeah, like some of the people, they were like, yo, we got these events in like January. This was in August. Like, yeah. we got these <laughs> events in like January. So like, you want to get more comfortable with the DJ and stuff. You got plenty of time. And if you just don't feel right, just let us know once you know, and we can find somebody to fill in. Mm-hmm. I was like, nah, give it a shot. You know, I'll try to learn some stuff. And and then 2019 did, you know, plenty a lot of learning, did some, some sort of co-playing along with uh, this particular friend and some other friends as well, got more comfortable on the boards. And then uh, last October, I made the decision, fuck it, I'm putting my entire music library in my Serato. Okay. Because, nice. because now I'm taking this shit seriously and I want to blend like Nine Inch Nails with Tupac if I can. Yeah, that's dope. So... It just became a thing where it was just like you you have the musical knowledge. There are not like a lot of my colleagues tell me they're like, I can't think of many people in the city who select better than you. Okay. Um and then like your blends are smooth, the transitions are usually good, and you get from song to song to song to song to song to song mm-hmm. pretty well. So like stick with it. All right. And so I was like, bet, I'm going to give me some business cards printed. And they were like, hell yeah, make sure we get one. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is really like becoming a thing. Like kind of got launched out of a cannon yeah. here summer, summer 20, spring, summer 2019. Um, I looked up and I was like, Bianca got a whole new ass life. Like they went out there, they became a fucking DJ. Man, and that was, <laughs> God, I, like I just turned 34 when that opportunity like that was probably weekend 2018 i just turned 34 yeah. um and 
it was like, okay, I can, I can learn how to use this, this DJ controller. I can teach myself how to do those things. I can teach myself, you know, vinyl down the line Yeah, and I can really sort of lean into it. And I know a lot of people sort of shit on like the electronic, like, Oh, you're using a shitty controller with a little mm. tiny baby kitty jog wheel, and mm. you're not a real DJ. And I'm like, hey, here's what I do. I also like music. I like music intelligently. I set a vibe. Mm-hmm. I stay in it. If I see my crowd needs to go somewhere else, I adjust. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is more important than, oh, you need to know how to DJ on this particular two thousand dollar pieces of equipment or you're not a real dj and i'm like yo don't put up accessibility barriers yeah Yeah. like that is that is the biggest by far mistake i think that like other djs who maybe speaking otherwise have well and you know well intentions but they just they start putting all these like benchmarks and and Mm -hmm. and do all this gatekeeping with what it takes to be a dj and i'm like what it takes to be a dj is to have crowd control Variety of music, mm-hmm. uh, physical presence, musical presence, and I need a fifth one because we apply for comedy. And, mm-hmm. you know, just the, 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 the right capacity to, to establish and maintain a, a vibe in a room full of people with a purpose. Right? Yeah. Um, I agree. I was going to ask, like, who, what... Uh, what playlist do you listen to? Like, I know I'm a huge fan of like Selection, Sasha Marie on Spotify, things like uh, on not on Spotify, but on um, SoundCloud. Are there any particular uh, vibes that you listen to? Any DJs you're inspired by? Yes, yeah, so my friend uh, Miss America, um, okay. EDICA, um, is a DJ who has been doing this for a number of years. Um, who just knows her way just again weaves in and out of genres and feels and vibes seamlessly it's really good at like when 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 she's djing like it's an experience okay that's dope um there's dj artistic down in los angeles who mm-hmm. has really taken like this quarantine shelter in place stuff and has really done good work with you know like he does a weekly west coast wednesdays and then he does you know, a couple, you know, kind of scheduled programming on Saturday, or Fridays and Saturdays. It's real fun. Um, listening to his sets has, again, haven't thrown my whole music library in there. Like, there's still holes in my library. Like, there's yeah. still things that I just don't have that, yeah. like, checking out his shows, I'm like, oh, damn, I gotta get that. Like, because I can work it into my sets, but I just don't have it. Yeah. No, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm cribbing your shit, bro. Like, it's no, not that kind of situation. Inspiration but inspiration is a thing. And finding mm-hmm. different ways to do, that's that's what artists do. They inspire each other. Or just straight up, yo, I forgot that song existed. Like, yeah. thank you for dropping that kind Absolutely. of thing. So, yeah. So, uh, he's another one. Uh, DJ Lady Ryan down in Oakland, another one who I check out a lot. Okay. He goes live. Um, she's been doing stuff for Sheila E lately. Nice. Uh, so, I definitely like to. Um, I was introduced to her by another friend of mine who kind of went live with her. And um, I checked that show out and I was like, yo, like, this is fucking fantastic like the technical complications of not having to set up rig the ideal because of coronavirus yeah. like i can ignore that because your set is just fucking tremendous that's awesome, awesome. Well, Bianca, so what's up oh no i was gonna say i have like one more because we're running on time i have one more 
major question for you. Uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, for yeah, no, you're welcome. Giving this time to me. This has been great. It's a great conversation. I think it's always important to let the world know, like how, or at least normalize, um, a a trans woman. Um, also normalize like friendships, things like that. There's, I think it's always important for. So it's important for us to have these conversations, like about culture, about uh, our life's experiences that are different from ours. Um, cis cis friends and trans friends talking together and also advocating for each other, right? I always oh, feel sure, like yeah. that's important. I am. I piss a few people off in general. <laughs> taking up for trans friends because are taking up for friends and anything that's 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 different from myself and I hear other people because that's how you start the most change, you know? Uh, And that end, if there's something that you can say, like given your life experience, right? If you can say to yourself at about 20 or maybe a 20-year-old that's in your position, what would you say to a 20-year-old version of yourself? Ooh, where was I at age 20? Okay, so I was... It was the onset of the ship. Um, mm-hmm. Like, we met, like, that weekend. And, yeah. Like, um, ooh. God, I have to lose all experiences. Uh, everything modifies after that point. Um, I think, with that in mind, I would say, like, if this doesn't work... Mm-hmm. In whatever sense, go ahead on and do what you know you need to do. Okay. Um, the these feelings that you feel about your gender identity, your gender fluidity, your gender nonconformingness—they're all real, and they're not going to go anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And you should not fake it. You should not act as if they don't exist. You should not act as if what you want for yourself is unreasonable or an outlandish ask. Um, yeah. Okay. Do the work now mm-hmm. and find the people who match up with that um, measure of community that you need, not that, not that you want, uh, that you feel you should have maybe, but that you need because, yeah. you know, here here is a unique opportunity to wind the clock back 16 years. Um <laughs> And and figure it all out. Yeah. And yeah, maybe not have the, the protection of particular social climate, but you can be ahead on it because one thing about you is you've been a leader your whole life. Mm-hmm. And not that, you know, speaking now back to my present tense, not that like now doing it in the aftermath of all of the dominoes that fell while I was out of the country mm-hmm. um, make me a follower necessarily. It means that I found my comfort now as opposed to then, but Back to my 20-year-old self. Okay. Um, you've been a leader your whole life. Mm-hmm. And you can you can take hold of the, the pathways of your life, the ways that so many different things are going to go. Yeah. And maybe it might even be worth exploring with this significant other. Because, yeah, no, things might happen, right? Yeah. But... Exactly. What you don't know, 20-year-old self, is that the world's about to change. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And we are a little over a year away from everything getting turned upside down. And you can use that as an excuse and mm-hmm. as a as a reason to disappear. You can go to that corner of the country where your aunt keeps inviting you. Mm-hmm. You can have that conversation with her. Yes. You can talk through your feelings. You can be far away from so many of the people you know. Mm. And you can figure things out. You can emerge from this as the person you truly want to be. Absolutely, absolutely. That that's wonderful, Bianca. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to your whole family, who I know well. Uh, they are they are a fun bunch. I know them. They are all colorful characters. There, there's some I want to make exceptions for, but I'm not going to be specific. No, um, no, 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 no. I feel you, and I know, and so. <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah, we, we we know what goes on with the go on, but we, yeah, yeah, we all know. We won't we won't make that public, but it's uh for me growing up so close to your family or whatnot, uh, and watching them. They are all they are all characters. Um, I am happy that the ones who have stuck with you through everything are there, and they are there loud and proud and supportive, and that I think that part is beautiful, in spite of anything that may go on negative, you know. I, I don't want to give that light. I definitely want to give love light, you know? So um, I'm proud of you. I think it has been great. It's been wonderful to watch your journey, Bianca. And I hope that you keep growing. This is a great experience. This is a beautiful thing. You are, Thank you. I, yeah. I, I hope one part of my body keeps you from here. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, and no, I, I was given a very solid foundation of which to base my mm-hmm. adulthood, right? Because, I mean, so much of your childhood is guided by your parents, but then your adulthood is kind of your own decision. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yes, I can lament and regret not making those adult decisions earlier in my adulthood, mm-hmm. but I'm here now. Yeah. And the hope is, oh, willing, you know, I've got a lot of life to live. Mm-hmm. And that life will be one that is, you know, full of joy and that is informative to others and makes, hopefully, makes an example for another young person who may be in my same position that I was in at their age. Yeah. And gives them the, the structure by which to come out earlier because the social climate's already here. Yeah, that's that change has happened, and we can definitely stand to see more people. You know, a friend of mine kind of made the script about it. Was like, "Yo, that's like pride parties in Uganda. Like, it's okay to be out in America." <laughs> um, you know, just 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 two guys in the line, no, but uh, but that we're making it better, and yeah. that by living and being the good example. And being a part of a number of good examples, that we make it better for the youth, and that we provide, you know, again, this evolution because that is a thing that happens, and it's foolish to resist it. But young people come, and their ideas and their ideals and their standards all evolve. Absolutely. And they they push us forward, and they push the vanguard of humanity forward. Um, mm. And. You know, generation after generation, we've we've had little successes in that. We could always stand to do more. We could always stand to be less racist, less sexist, less transphobic, less this, less that. You know, we can all do better at the less ableist, right? Absolutely. Um, 
And to those ends, I just again, I just I just want to serve as a good example of such, right? Mm. And I think that I live a knowledge based and a reason based life that does not allow much room. You know, I don't suffer fools, um, but giving myself and being vulnerable and being authentic. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm and glad. including included in that, you know, accepting the losses I've incurred, right? Yeah. You know, the dis- the disapproval, the 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 opportunities, right? The the potential for more growth, all of those things um, that I have lost, right, and that are limited, that are boxed mm. in certain ways, and in other ways, uh, that you know, like I I can't pursue higher education unless something wipes out my debt, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And with the employment opportunities I'm currently afforded with no degree and being a trans person, that might, you know, they might have to keep calling. But, (laughs) but no, um, yeah, just, just trying to be the best version of myself possible in hopes that I show other people their best versions of themselves. And in those hopes that they nurture best versions of cells for the future yeah all right all right well Bianca, thank you so much uh this has been a great conversation very good lengthy and healthy one i thought this is i think this is great i hope to talk to you soon hope that we can uh, get you here in the studio one of these days and maybe you can do a dj set for us i think that'll be wonderful uh yeah or i can you know put some instrumentals on and spit these bars nope but uh, I think I thank you for <laughs> thank you. My my first track, right when yeah. I when I finished putting everything together and like I've got a packaged album. Uh-huh. My first track is going to specifically address your your little circles haterism. <laughs> I was gonna ask, like, because you know, like, all right, Bianca, like. One of the one of the common things, and this is right before we go. I'm in. I promise I'm ending after this. Like one of the things, we, I was talking with some of the fam, some of the crew, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like, "How do we hate on her without being transphobic?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know. I feel like she she kind of pulled the cheat code. <laughs> like, like, no, no, like, no. You then... know what? This is. I was like, this is a chance for us to be creative. You know what? Here we go. So there we go. I'm going to count that as the last question. Then we're going to actually wrap up for real. All right, great. Um, the way to do it is to stick to what you're actually hating on, right? Like, and yeah. this, is, this is good advice in general, right? Like, stick Absolutely. to the thing you're hating on. It don't have to be, like, I'm going I'm to be crude about myself. It don't have to be, that tranny bitch suck at rapping. Oh, God. Like, oh, Jesus. That's rude. Right. Like, it, it don't have to be. There's levels to this shit. You just skip yeah. right to the, you know, whoever would be saying that, just skip right to the crassest level possible. Yeah. Right. But you could be like, yo, like, you know, she's a dope person and you don't even got a sandwich method. You can say my bars uh, suck. You'd be lying, but you can say that. Okay. Um, yeah. I like that you believe in yourself, Bianca. That's awesome. Somebody got to. But no. Somebody. Um, somebody. <laughs> but no, like, again, you, you you stick to the specific thing that you are, like, ribbon, right? Like, when, yeah. when when we rib, we say, you know, you so superlative that you blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. you don't say, you know, oh, you so da-da that you blah, 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 you, you know, unrelated, whatever. Like, yeah. we don't, 
we we structure our ribs to fucking hit you like on the thing we ribbing. Like we not we not Absolutely. about to like you know we we got we got folks in our crew who got different shit about them. Absolutely, and, everybody. Does. Like when yeah. when when we when we teasing we you know, teasing right. Like yeah. if y'all want to you know niggas trying to say yo you know like y'all can, ain't gonna find pants in the right length probably ever with a tall ass. Right? Yeah, and that's that's fair because that's true as fuck, right? Like yeah. finding, <laughs> finding finding pants that don't you know like I mean now for yeah. women like you know that crop length is in but. You know, twenty years ago, we would have called them high waters, and a bitch would have got ribbed. You know, absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what kept me in the closet all the time. I don't know. No, but uh, <laughs> nah, that's just ribbing. That's just no. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, you, you can you can rib and you can rib intelligently. Man. Yeah, like, you can, absolutely. Like, I I can I can be ribbed. Like I don't want to like make it seem like I'm just some some princess who is above like yeah, who's above a joke critique yeah. uh, or anything like that right i'm just yeah. my my demand is the same as what anybody else's demand should be when it comes to jokes just be funny yeah just be funny you can't be like you know i remember there was there was one i was like during prep for this because i know one of the things that we are notoriously known for is joking on the joke and i was like even myself i have to kind of think okay don't say this not like and what's crazy is that i didn't say homophobic shit before I didn't say trans shit before, right? But right. you know, sometimes when you're doing shit, like you want to be mindful. You yeah, know? yeah. It kind of like it kind of turns your brain on. Whereas, like in some days, you just don't have it on, and you may not even say like you're not even in danger of saying anything crazy. It's just you kind of just have it in your mind, right? And you right. know, for that, I don't mind. I like thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? So, um. So yeah, that's why I was like, I am cool with with all the things. Bianca, I have no problem hating on you. It's 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 fun. Yeah, just just uh, be so, funny. That 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 will so, remain my singular ass. Just exactly. be funny. Like yeah. if, if if what you're about to say, like if somebody else that you trust on that same level can't laugh at it, like yeah, you know, well, let's let's rework that. Right? You know? like, yes, I don't really. Not not not. You can't joke on me no more. Like I'm not taking off the table. Like I listen. Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, look, like, I got a thick skin. Like, I've been, you know, I grew up in New Orleans. He's real, you yeah. know. Um, I all just, day. I just, I listen. Like, it can't be that you're the only one laughing. Like, I need to crack a smile too. Like, I need to, I, I need to, you know, do the head drop and just be like, damn. Yeah. Like, I need, I need to be capable of doing that. I don't like if the ribbons leading the fight. What you're doing is not ribbing yourself. No, you exactly. You are insulting. I think that um, because I, I had an idea of. On my next big birthday, I, my goal is to have a. Um, my goal is to actually have a roast, like again, a, a private roast in New Orleans, and it'll be like everybody closed door, you know, and that's when the and I still really want it to be respectful, but also, you know, it's a roast, so um, so I definitely want to have that. All right, so we'll, we'll discuss that later because you might have to DJ it, Bianca. All right, so <laughs> that'll be great. All right, girl, this has been wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for being my friend. Thank you for uh, telling everybody about your experiences on Chris Talks. This has been yeah, wonderful. sure, yeah. So everybody else who's listening, remember to like us on on the page, like me on the page, follow me, uh, check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, 
and don't like this nigga page. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm playing. Please, please, <laughs> please go on my goddamn page. Anyways, and check out check out Bianca whenever she's DJing. She's dope. So everybody, thank you all for listening. And as usual, be good to you people, bro. This program is brought to you by On Purpose Recordings. Created and produced by Chris Blunt. Mixed and edited by Joff Gibbs.